0: I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie, And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 242. So I don't know if I told you this, but you know how I'm always tongue-tied. Hello, we have bloopers to show that words are hard for us. I was calling to set Marley up at an appointment to get her hair cut. You did tell me this, but continue. Okay. You know when you're talking to someone and your brain's thinking of other words and you get tongue-tied... I wanted her to get a bath and make sure they get her toenails clipped. What came out was I need her bathed and her toenails cut. (laughs) And that lady cracked up so much. And she like told the other person she was working with. And I was like, I don't know what my brain just did. I was thinking trim, but I wanted to be like not a haircut. Yeah. But toenail cut
1: last night we went to a friend's giving and I'll tell you more about it but when we got home I told Colby because we'd taken it was like a potluck thing we got home and I was like hey can you get the crock pot but I didn't say crock pot I called it like lasers or something like can you get the lasers (laughs) I don't even know that may not even be the word but was something like that random yeah and when we got inside I said something else that didn't make any damn sense and he was like are you drunk and I was like no. I'm that freaking tired. Was that your early day?
0: No, that wasn't Yes, your- it, was. Oh, it I, was. Well, it was
1: one of them. Yes. So I was at work by seven, worked all day, and then came home, got dressed, and then went to Friendsgiving. Yeah. And I think we got home at like 1030, but I was like going cross-eyed. I was so <laughs> tired.
0: Okay. You know, the only thing I like better than Halloween is the day after so you can get all those deals. Mm-hmm. Not this year, y'all. I've been around the world. And Michaels is the only place I've seen that had really good discounts. Right. But then the places that I went to, they had nothing left. Nothing. I was like, there's nothing? There's not even like a pumpkin?
1: Anything? Nope. Nothing. That's how it was last year. I think after Christmas, when Colby and I went, it was like gone. And it literally was like two days after and everything was gone.
0: It was so disappointing.
1: We took all of our, well, Colby took all the outside stuff down like the next day when he got home from work, but we hadn't taken all this stuff down inside yet. And I'm like, oh, we've got to do it because I want to put my Thanksgiving stuff up, like my fall stuff. Yeah. And he was like, just go ahead and put the Christmas stuff up. And I was like, no, our fall stuff is so pretty. Like, I want to see it.
0: I don't know who I am, but at Halloween time, I was like, oh, I need some plates, you know, Halloween. And they had that, I don't know how to say it, but the Melanine melon meme. Uh, melatonin? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so bad. I don't even know. But it's basically like, it's hard to break those plates. It's like a yeah, key yeah, yeah. thing. Man, I could be on QVC selling these things. But um, I got some for Halloween. Well, they had some out for Christmas. And it says, like, "follow la 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 It has a matching blanket that I found. And... Um, I got just four of them. Yeah. Uh, and they're like $3 each. So it's not like a $12 plate or anything. And then I got the blanket too, because you know I love a blanket. Yeah. And it's so cute. But I was like, who am I? Why do I need a set of dishes? I don't know. Girl, I don't know. You don't even cook. But I do reheat stuff. And when Timmy comes over, I get the groceries she cooks and it is yummy. Uh, more decoration talk real quick. Because again, this is what has consumed my whole week but our salvage place, Dirt Cheap, shout out. You know what? You can sponsor us if you want. We talk about you all the time. They get a lot of stuff from Target. Uh, They had lights. And you know, last year, last Christmas, all my lights just went kabooey on my pre-lit pencil tree. And I tried. I even got one of those like plugger things where mm-hmm. you like, oh, it's this circuit. And you're like, click it a few times and then you screw in another bulb. I did that so many times. I was like, I don't know which one to do now. They were all out. Me being me, I was like, let's just buy another one. Let's just do it, Donna. Come on. You're at Michael's right now. They're like $59. But then I was like, that's wasteful. You don't need it. Just string up the lights. Because I went to dirt cheap. Because I was thinking I'm going to have to buy freaking a lot of lights from target Mm -hmm. and it'd be expensive they had them 40 percent off i was like perfecto but also i'm trying something else i'm gonna do twinkle lights like on where the trunk of the tree would be so like on the very Mm -hmm. inside and then not anywhere else yeah like just to hopefully have some movement in there i don't know you know me Mm mm-hmm <laughs> now, in my head, it's going to look like something Martha Stewart has done.
1: And in reality, they're not coming out of the box.
0: <laughs> no, I got to put them on. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I do. But I did do a good job at doing my lights on the Halloween tree. I mean, Ashlyn did help. But then I had to undo what she did because I needed uh the cords to be different. So I had to do that. But it's a lot smaller than the pencil tree. Anyway, it will be up before the next episode. Well, I'm not saying it's going to be up on Sinister Sightings Day. Of three weeks throughout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so not everyone knows, but we've been doing Emma the Asshole on Patreon once a month. And so Carrie did a lot of Thanksgiving Emma the Assholes. But when I was listening to those, I'm like, this is why I don't love Thanksgiving anyway. Because there's always some kind of drama that happens on that holiday. But after my mama died, it kind of dwindled away. Like I did a few things, but again, I'm not a cook and doing like a whole feast. That's not my jam, you know, but I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. I haven't for years now, almost 10 years. And so it's, I don't know, like you were talking about your fall decor and I'm like, I just skim right over it and it goes to Christmas.
1: Also, we should note that she has been invited to multiple Thanksgivings at multiple locations by multiple people, but she don't want to come. No, because it's drama. I'm just It's not always drama.
0: Okay, name me a year no one has had drama.
1: I didn't have any drama last year or the year before that. I don't believe you. I didn't. Let me ask Colby. Before we get into the drama of this episode, we got to talk about a book. The book is called The Girl in Cabin 13 by A.J. Rivers. And let me just tell y'all, this book is good.
0: It really is. And when me and Carrie both are like, it's a page turner, you know, it's good.
1: Like I'm laying in bed and I'm one eye on it because I'm like, must finish the chapter. Yes,
0: it's so good. And AJ Rivers does a great job of giving you those cliffhangers. You don't want to wait for the next chapter because you have to know what happens right then. So what the book is about, there's an FBI agent. Emma Griffin, and she is sent undercover to, you know, the quintessential sleepy town, all the things. It's called Feathered Nest.
1: Yes, it is about like this little town that you know exactly what it's like. So old Emma, she has to go to figure out. She's not old.
0: She's very young.
1: Well, like O-L-E, old.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. You're an old soul. Continue. Yeah.
1: So Emma has to go to this Quintessential town, in order to figure out what's going on, because there's been a string of disappearances. Nobody knows what's going on. So, Emma to the rescue to go undercover and figure it out.
0: But moments later, after she gets her stuff into the cabin, and it is cabin 13, she has a knock at the door and she's like, Oh, okay cool, 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 let me open it, thinking it's the landlord. But what did she find out, Carrie?
1: Well, I want to tell y'all this because it's so exciting, but I don't want to tell y'all this because I don't want to give anything away. But they say we can. So the knock on the door is a man standing there who suddenly falls dead at her doorstep. Yes, and he's got blood, y'all. Where's the blood coming from? And so
0: now she's going to be facing her biggest case problem. Ever.
1: And where it gets real serious is that guy that was dead. He had a note. But I'm not gonna tell y'all what that note said that was in his hand. Y'all gotta read it.
0: Uh huh. Okay. But you know me and I love the romance side and there is a little budding romance, some flirtage happening.
1: I know with the winks and the Ooh, AJB painting a picture. The Girl in Cabin 13 has over 16,000 reviews on Amazon. That equals out to 4.3 out of 5 stars, which is really hard to do with that many reviews. Yes. So clearly, this book has been very well received.
0: And it is the perfect time of the year to snuggle up, be cozy, and read a good mystery novel. Am I right? You're not wrong. And I'm never wrong. Okay, (laughs) But seriously, The Girl in Cabin 13 by A.J. Rivers is a page-turner.
1: It really is one of the best books I've read recently. But you can not only read, but you can listen to this book on Amazon, Audible, or iTunes. And
0: that's normally what I do, but it's something about having a book in your hands. I miss it. I really do. And it's been nice flipping those pages, sometimes aggressively, because I think I know where it's going and I got to see if I'm right. But I haven't been.
1: So join us and all the other people reading this book because it's been on the top 100 books on Amazon for six months straight. So go check out The Girl in Cabin 13 by A.J. Rivers. Don't forget, you can read or listen to this gripping, suspenseful novel on Amazon, Audible, or iTunes right now.
0: I mean, listen to this episode, but then go buy it. All right, today I'm going to talk about a costume and makeup shop called Daydreams and Nightmares. And look, there's a costume shop on the coast, and Tiff has always wanted to go in. Every time we were by
1: Boomtown, she's like, oh my gosh. Boomtown's a casino, and she's talking about the Mississippi Gulf Coast.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Thank you for the clarification. You know who you are? My genius. Sure. Um, no, the paperclip from Word, like, you're just like the pop-up video yes. to me. Clippy. Clippy. Well, I think Tiffany finally did go in there when she was dating someone. I'm not going to name his name, but he got a Shrek costume from there. Oh, yeah. I think they went to that shop. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, Tiff would love this costume shop. Well, besides the fact that it is haunted as fuck. It's been on A Haunting and The Dead Files. It's located at 1219 7th Street in Modesto, California. Dana Walters is the owner, and this was a lifelong dream of hers. Dana worked in a costume shop when she was like in high school. She was like, oh my god, this is what I want to do with my life. I love this. And I believe she started doing like costume makeup and special effects makeup after that. But she always loved the feeling of helping people, you know, just helping them pick out the best costume for whatever occasion they were attending. She just lived through others parties, you know, and so that's her happy place. So again, she was working for someone else But the owner was like, you know what, I'm going to retire. So Dana was like, you know what, this is the right time for me to start living my dream. And you know, she wanted something for herself and a legacy for her kids. So when this property went up for sale, Dana checked out the price and it was in her budget, which she was like, oh my God, I never thought something would be in my budget and fit the business's needs, i.e. lots of space. But it was in her budget. But there was a reason for the low price. The building had housed a funeral home and a crematorium before. And that operated for about 20 years before it closed its doors. The property listing even had the warning that there were still ashes on the premises. And you know, that would send most of the people running for the heels. But Dana has always been a believer in paranormal things. And she thought it might make her business even more unique but she got way more than she bargained for. Dana said when she first walked in, when they were checking the place out, it did feel oppressive, but she figured once she renovated, cleaned the place up, that feeling would lessen because it was in a state of disarray in there. But unfortunately, it really didn't lessen that feeling. Some customers will walk in and before they even look around, They walk out because they say they don't like the feeling that they got when they entered. So when Dana was cleaning up the building before it opened to the public, she was sweeping and she sneezed and she heard a woman say, bless you. She's like, thank you. And then she was like, wait, what? Because no one was around her. Like no one else was in that vicinity. And it was like a low, bless you. Also, the embalming room didn't have a drain. What? Right. So they were like, I don't understand where the fluid was going. Also, it was a moment of this would be me and Carrie because Dana's like, you know what's freaking me out? This room was the embalming room. And the lady with her is like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's like, but it doesn't have a drain. And the lady's like, "Uh uh-huh. Wait, why would that be weird? What's going on? And she's like, for the fluid to drain, and she's like, "Oh, okay, never mind. Let's not talk about it." <laughs> like, and I was like, "That literally is me and Carrie." Like, uh huh. But why? Because my brain don't work like that. And then also, it would gross me out <laughs> thinking about the embalming fluid and everything else. Ooh. In that room, there is a blood stain on the floor, and Dana was like, "It was caked the fuck on." I mean, she didn't say that, but that's what she meant. And she tried to get rid of it. She, you know. Brushed it with so many different chemicals on there and everything. Well, finally, it started to like bubble up. And she said that it started foaming all the blood up. She's like, probably some chemical reaction that happened when I poured that fourth chemical on there. But weird. But she's like scraping it, you know, trying to get this up. And she said she's just started crying. Like she was overcome with sadness. And then she heard someone else crying, but there was no one there. Another thing that happened before they opened, a man came in and he said that he used to work there when it was a funeral home. So Dana asked him about the embalming room and the lack of the drain. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, we use the adjacent bathroom sink for that. Ooh,
1: it just goes in the community sewer. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there should be... uh, Look, I don't know shit about shit, but I feel like there should be, like, some treatment to that. Probably. Maybe not. Again, what do I know? The man further explained that the funeral
0: home had a contract with the local prison. It was like a work program. The prisoners would have to do the whole fluid to the sink thing. Hmm. And I'm sure they didn't complain, because they were actually outside of prison, but... Still, no one should have to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, besides a water hose.
0: Well, the staff are affected by the haunting too. They hear voices, they get changes in mood as well, and they all feel like they're being watched, and many people have seen shadow figures. Michelle was hired on as an evening employee. Dana didn't wanna be the only one left in the building all the time. And so Michelle was just perfect for what she needed. Well, one afternoon, Michelle was watching the security cameras and she saw lots of orbs. She called Dana over, showed her, and they could see the orbs going through the glass cabinet display. And then they could see it come out the other side. And they're like, you know what? That's not normal. Cause a bug couldn't just fly into the glass and then out the other side. Like you would see something. Dana said every time that they go to shut the shop up for the night, it feels like they're being pushed out of the building. It's like they can't get out of the door fast enough. There's a heaviness that's just coming towards them. Well, there's something about Michelle. She likes doing EVPs and stuff. She was in the bathroom doing an EVP session. I don't think TikTok was around just yet because, I mean, if you're in the bathroom and not TikTok, and what are you doing? She was doing the session and all of a sudden it got so dark she couldn't even see her hand. There's a reason for that because a huge dark mass had come up behind her casting a shadow over everything. She said it was like seven or eight feet. The shadow was? Yeah. And just remember that because it'll come up later. Ava, she helped Dana open the shop. She was there from the very beginning and she said that she hears voices all the time. One was a little boy saying hi, and another was a woman saying hello, like she wanted to join their conversation. Like, hello, listen to me. <laughs> Ava also feels overbearing sadness. She said that when she's alone in the shop, the spirits really mess with her, but she likes talking to them, so she like allows them to keep fucking with her, basically. They did an EVP session, and they asked, what color do you want to paint the walls? And it answered gray. And so they were like, all right, we'll paint it gray. And thank you, because that's on trend.
1: (laughs) Although I did see a TikTok that said that the grays are going out.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I do like gray. I do too, but it is going out. They named one of the entities. They call him Boot Man. And the reason for that is because he's often heard walking down the hall. And when they check, no one's there. But they can hear his boots. Dana really doesn't like being in the shop alone. Like I told you, that's why she hired Michelle, because she's had several instances where she felt like she was not alone. And one time she had that feeling, and so she took a picture with her phone, and there's a shadow person there with her, and it was just like hiding in the doorway. Not all of the activity is evil or negative. Some of it's almost impolite, so that jokester kind of shit. Dana lost her keys one time, and they were searching for hours. They actually didn't turn up for a whole week. And it was only after Dana reached out to one of her psychic friends and asked, like, can you tell me where it is? Can you do this? And they said that it was in the basket in a bathroom. Well, when they searched that bathroom that they had already searched, there were the keys in a potted plant that had like a basket-like potholder around it. There's a name for that. And all I'm thinking is a potholder. A but planter? Planter. Thank you. I'm like, a potholder holder,
1: something different. Yeah, that's like to pull your food out the oven with.
0: Yes. A.K.A. my oven pizza. Dana had another incident that she thought was a joke. Like someone in real life playing a joke on her. She had just opened up the shop and she had some messages on her answering machine. So she listened so she could know what people were looking for, everything to be ready for their appointment. Everything was normal until she got to a call and it had lots of voices and like shuffling, people walking. And so she was like, oh, butt dial, I get it. But when she was about to erase it, like her finger was hovering over the erase, she heard a woman say that a light was chasing her how she sounded made Dana pause. So Dana was going to call the number back and see if she was okay. But when she checked the caller ID, that phone call never even registered. So it was like, that was a phantom phone call. I watched on YouTube, this channel called Chill Seekers, and they investigated and found some more experiences that they have had there. Another employee, Kat, she was sitting down talking to Ava. Well, Ava was looking out the window and she saw a shadow person walk in front of the window, like she saw the head and the shoulders. Well, at that exact moment that she's looking out the window, Cat felt someone run their fingers through her hair. That would be Carrie's freaking heaven to have a ghost who would play with her hair. I
1: literally was just thinking that. That does not sound bad to me at all. <laughs> Especially if it was a little bit cold because they made a cold spot Ugh. and they were playing with my hair. Oh, Lord. Let me just take a nap right now.
0: Well, the thing is, they ran out to look and that window is way too up high for any average person to walk and be head and shoulders seen at that window. Also, there's a tree in front of it, like a bush kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Again, we all know now that I have no idea about fucking plants because I'm like a potholder. Whatever. Whatever. What's important to take away from here is that would have blocked. Oh, well, they're up higher and they can see lower from the height of that window. But there's not a way because it's blocked by shrubbery. Right. Well, to the left of that window is a door. And that's where they would bring caskets inside. So there might be something correlating between that. Donnie, another employee, said he was shoved on his back. Like someone was trying to shove him out of the room. When the Chill Seekers crew, they did their night investigation. I think it's a husband and wife, maybe. They asked, what was the name of the shop? And that ghost box said, daydreams and nightmares. Like, very clearly. Damn. Dana's had several mediums in the building, and one got scratched. And some other customers have been touched, too. Dana was on the Grave Talks podcast, and she said that there was this high school boy who came in with his mom, and he told Dana that he was there because he had heard the place was haunted. Dana was like, well, we're not here to convince you, but stick around, shop, do your thing, and I'm sure something will happen. Something will convince you. A little bit later, there was his hat, and it's a Horton Hears a Who hat, and it fell off and hit him. And the boy screamed and ran out of the building. And Dana was talking to his mom. And she said, I hope he returns my costume. And the mom looked at her and said, I hope he stops running. (laughs) So that is a lesson in be careful what you wish for, because you might just get it. That would also be me if I ever had like a paranormal (laughs) experience like that. Because I'm like, I kind of want to, but I kind of don't. Yeah, no, my whole body would not want to do that. There's this one room that customers don't go to unless they're getting their makeup done, costume makeup, or special effects makeup. And it's in the back, and it used to be a crying room, I believe, where the funeral parlor was and so where the bereavement would happen. Is that the word for Mm -hmm. it? (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) But, you know, where you can sit before or after you go and view your loved ones. But Dana calls it the scary room. She said people who go in there will say it feels like a vortex when they're in that room. They get very emotional. On hauntedplaces.org... A user by the name of Dragon Queen, she said that she had an experience where a step stool kept being moved into the middle of like the walkway and it happened more than once, but she was in the room and no one else was. Also, she saw a shadow in the doorway a little later too. How I mentioned it was on the Dead Files, well, Amy said when she got to the place, like hasn't went in, she said, this is where the earth swallows you up. She never elaborated on that, so I really don't know. But she said that it might be cursed. And the guy who's like filming her asked, what curse? What, what do you mean by that? And she said, basically, it makes you feel like you're walking a plank. And if you fall off, you're doomed. It makes you feel like you're going to lose everything, your hopes and your dreams. Amy also said that she felt a lot of residual energy there, which makes sense because it was a funeral home, but she doesn't know that at the time. She said lots of emotion there Amy picked up on that the living may feel overwhelmed with stress and have a sense of urgency because of all of the energy that's there.
1: Look, I already have a sense of urgency all the time with my ADHD. I don't need energy making me do that, too. Right? And by urgency, I mean anxiety, but you get the point.
0: Well, the storage room, it's where they keep all of their rental costumes, and that's where the crematorium was. Like, you can see it's there's a darker place on the concrete floors, and that's where the incinerator was. There's still soot that they cannot get out of the ceiling.
1: Not me thinking the incinerator was still there. <laughs> In my head, I was picturing it still there. and Then you were like, a spot where it was. And I was like, oh, <laughs> not what my brain was picturing.
0: No, I feel like they couldn't keep that. No, they couldn't. <laughs> no,
1: absolutely not. Which is why it's like, I'm a dumbass.
0: <laughs> well, here's something else that reminded me of you, though. Dana said that she'll be in that room, but she'll be consumed with sadness and start crying when she's in that room sometimes. But as soon as she leaves the building, she's fine. Well, Steve from the Dead Files, he was like, is that your personality at all? And she was like, no. And I was like, that's Carrie's personality though.
1: It is now. It used to not be, but I will cry for no reason now.
0: What if you have an attachment to you?
1: I don't. How do you know? Because there will be other things. Like, I'd be an asshole. Oh. (laughs) Chick. I'd be moody. Chick.
0: (laughs) Well, here's another thing that she said. So Steve was like, "Uh, do you deal with depression? And she was like, no. And I was like, well, how does it feel to be God's chosen one? Right. Because I literally feel like everyone's on antidepressants or something. Or they should be. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? I'm like... Of course I
1: do. What are you talking about? Yeah,
0: I was like, of course she does. Oh, she doesn't? Cool.
1: Well, wow, what's it like to always want to get out of bed? <laughs> not constantly need a nap. Right?
0: Like, you don't have weeks that you're just in a cocoon of blankets and you don't want anything? Cool. But, like, it did not cross my mind That some people don't need antidepressants.
1: Well, I know a few people who don't, but I'm like, man, you really don't get it. Like, they don't get it. Well, Michelle also
0: had an experience in the storage room slash crematorium room. She said that when she was in there, it felt like she was walking through a bunch of spider webs. She even turned on the light to see, like, oh my God, did we have, like, a fucking massive spider party? Like, they just letting it all hang out? And... Nothing was there, like no loose hanging cobwebs, nothing. This is a tangent again, but do you know that I am actually upset when I see a really big spider web that's like detailed and there's not a fucking like message in
1: there like Charlotte did? I was just thinking Charlotte was busy in that room and then you said Charlotte's web. I mean, not like there's a lot of other spider web things in our (laughs) lives, but... but yeah, I
0: legit get like, ugh. There's nothing in there. Damn. (laughs) So stupid. Because if I saw one, I'd be like,
1: they do exist. (laughs) Anyway. Sad ass fucking book and movie. I never read the
0: book. We had it. I don't think. Or my mom read it. I don't know. Well, lots of customers have told Dana that they see a woman with blonde hair. Amy, on the walkthrough on the Dead Files, she said that she saw a woman who was crying a lot, like, wailing but then she tried to like hold Amy, which she did not like. And Amy said that the woman can attach to someone if she wants to. And Amy said she wouldn't be surprised if they had seen her full apparition. It did crack me up because Steve, when Dana was telling him about this lady with blonde hair, Steve was like, are you sure it's not someone just In your wigs, you know? And she's like, no, like everyone has described her the same way. And she was like, we have security footage and stuff. So we would know if there's someone else in the building or we could go back and see this spot. And like, they've never seen a person on those videos. Amy said that she had seen a man. She said that he was like nine feet tall. So remember that shadow figure that Michelle saw while she was doing the EVPs in the bathroom? Yeah, and when she saw it through the windows with the bushes. Yes, that's so true. Yes, it really does make it seem more plausible. She said the man was very slender. So think Slender Man because he's also in a suit but not pinstripe. He doesn't have those long, like spindly arms, which is what I think creeps me out about Slender Man and his face because he has like no face. So like I said, he's wearing a suit and he was like leaning from the wall, like into the wall, something. And so he leaned down and he told her, I'm the undertaker. And then he said, I'm the doctor. Amy was touched several times by this tall man and every time she was feeling like she was being drained and also like she was going to have an anxiety attack. She said that she could sense from him that he forms attachments very quickly with the living and that's super unsettling for Amy to even think about. The tall man said he's not happy with the business there And Amy said that she believes he has an attachment to one of the people who works there. So this entity might be the same that was on a haunting episode. They called it the Soul Keeper. A medium had said that he traps the souls there with him. And that may be why there's so much activity because they're not free to cross over. But they said that he draws energy and strength from other people's pain. Steve went and got some history about the funeral home. He had a few things that were like murders or like odd coincidences that happened around the funeral home. However, this historian told him that there was an incident that was linked to the funeral home. Anthony Lee Williams was a 51-year-old local track coach but he was going through a divorce and it had gotten messy. So they were fighting over their 10-year-old son named Husan. Well, on June 2nd, 2011, Anthony made an unplanned pickup of the son at a friend's house. And when he had the son in his car, he called his wife and said they were going to leave and live a better life somewhere else. Fast forward to the next morning, and a security guard spots a car parked in a weird way, and so he called the police. They arrived and found Anthony had died by suicide in the front seat of the car, and he had murdered their 10-year-old son by shooting him in the head. Oh my God. Right? So fucking sad. They went to the funeral parlor, both of them, to be embalmed, and... Hussein, the son, had his funeral at that funeral parlor. So out of all of those stories that you did, that one is the one that had, like, a real connection for me. Like, Hussein had had his funeral there. They had both been embalmed there. Who knows about the fluid shit? Who knows what's going on? It's just in the city water. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. But also, could that be the little boy who said hi to Ava that time? Maybe. Well, I don't know if he is or not because Amy saw a little boy around eight years old. He, she said five to eight. So Amy's like me. She doesn't know ages, but he had short brown hair. But here's the thing that I think it makes it not Hussan is that he had an old fashioned outfit on. I don't feel it's the same because he died 2011 unless he's just presenting himself like that. I don't know. I feel like if Tiffany died, knock on wood, you don't anytime soon, but she would be like, I don't know an old soul so she would probably revert to things she never had worn before but that's just like what she is accustomed to hell she'd probably wear like a Loretta Lynn's dress I don't know well I know what I would be in a moo-moo
1: it's a recent found love but it's a very strong love now
0: I know you used to not like mine oh I need to give you mine my yes. other one
1: yeah I went to Walmart the other day to get them we had to get trick-or-treat candy and other stuff and I went to look at them, thinking maybe they had some Christmas ones out. First of all, they only had smalls and mediums. Pfft, LOL, and they had gone up like a dollar fifty. Damn, I was like, "Damn it, Moo's are starting to be a thing now." I know. Why am I always before the trend on that? I mean, you were way before the trend. I mean, way. <laughs> I mean, like my grandma was way before the trend, but yes. like you get the point.
0: Yeah, that's all my mama ever wore, and her green pants and her pink shirt that made her look like a watermelon. <laughs> Uh, one thing about Carrie, you know, we could do those TikToks that one thing about me is the da na mm-hmm. you know that? But one thing about Carrie is that she is not ladylike in her moo-moos, okay? No. We had just finished recording, and so we were in the living room, and she, like, put her leg, like Captain Morgan, up on the fucking coffee table. She was like, meh. It's fine. It's fine. Look, we've been friends for 30 fucking years. It, it's fine. Oh, I've seen all your nook and crannies, and she's seen mine. It was just so funny. We saw a picture of us that someone had taken when we were doing our little live hangout during the True Crime Podcast Festival, and we both had our legs spread. I was like, let's see who man spreads more. And it was Carrie. So let's just say she ain't ladylike. I ain't ladylike, but she ain't ladylike. Yeah, I used to until I got a big
1: old belly. Same.
0: You know, my thighs would be quivering and I'd get a fucking cramp. Mm. Like I did when we were recording. (laughs) If y'all are not in Patreon, the Creepinati, you are missing out on quality entertainment.
1: I don't know about quality.
0: (laughs) But it was five minutes of a rando cramp. That did not stop. But she did do some witchcraft on me. She squirted mustard on my tongue. And it really did lessen the cramp. But my cramp was just in a fucking weird place and I
1: couldn't like... It was too far gone.
0: Yeah. But seriously, she did it. And it did work. I was like, what in the witchcraft is going on here? Anyway, I'm just saying the bloopers, the extra slices, and all the other actual quality content that we put on... It's worth it, just saying. Back to the little boy. So then Amy goes on to say that it wasn't really a little boy. It turned into like a grotesque looking praying mantis and like really big. Gross. Amy said that it was very evil. She thinks it was some type of demon. So again, I just don't think that was Husan. But I don't know if it was Husan who talked to Ava. Or if it was this little boy demon thing that talked to her. I don't know. Amy said that that was the most draining walkthrough that she has done in a long time. She didn't even want to be at their shop, so they had to do it at Dana's house. She told them about the little boy, little demon thing. And she said that it's his job to bring out the aggressive side of people. That if he is a demon, he's very, very low level. But he's just, he's on the evil scale, but... He's the wimpy buffalo sauce. Yes. So if someone's prone to anger, he tries to latch onto them. He wants to make them act out in a violent way. She told them that she believes he's attached to a person who works there. Well, Dana said that she is prone to anger sometimes, and she thinks it could be her that he's attached to. Steve pointed out hey, could this little demon, little buddy, uh, be the cause of Anthony shooting Hassan, or the other things around the property. Like one of them happened like five miles away, but it was on the same street. And so I just don't me what else. I didn't include it because of that. But she said that it could be something that he did influence because he would really want someone else to shoot someone because that's just like total aggression. Also, she believes that he can go home with someone. He can definitely break the binding to that shop. And all of them said, well, yeah, um, there was one time that I woke up and I was choking and I thought I was going to die, but I just stopped choking. The others felt a presence in their bedroom, but they like were basically like, this is my house. You have to leave Go back to the shop. When they revealed the drawing that Amy had someone illustrate, it was that tall man, like shadow thing, but he was choking someone and the little boy was like hiding behind the door, but like looking like hee hee he. So yeah, but like choking and Dana said she was choking. So who knows? Amy told them that the little demon, he needs to be focused on first She said that they need to hold off on the EVPs. Like you can do it later on, but before you do any more EVPs, Ouija board stuff, all of that has to be after you get this demon out of here because he's angry with what's going on. He doesn't like it. And if you keep contacting him, he will latch on and he will not go until you have done something that you can't come back from. So there was a two-month follow-up because if you know anything about the Dead Files, Amy gives them a long laundry list of shit they have to do. Well, the two-month follow-up, Dana said that they have been working with a holy person and a male psychic who is what Amy said they needed to use to dispel this negativity of the tall man and that little demon boy. Dana did say that the shop feels lighter and everyone can feel that. So it kind of ended on a happy note. I think that Chill Seekers, the YouTube show that I watched, it was before this because that was like seven years ago, I believe. And they did use a Ouija board. Oh my God. It was funny because they said, who's here? And it went to Jay and then Z. And so they were dying laughing like, oh, Jay-Z, you're here? Cool, 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 cool. Did you bring some money with you too? Right? But that is what I have on the haunted daydreams and nightmares costume shop. Well, before we get into my story, we got to talk about apostrophe because they are back. And if any of y'all suffer from dry skin, like I do, I know it is winter time because my skin looks like dragon scales. And I'm like, I moisturize all the time. And it's only 70 degrees outside. I know. What is going on?
1: But it's also the holiday season. It's time for gift giving, good food, and you know, pictures.
0: I'm just going to say for Thanksgiving, y'all wear leggings and use apostrophes so your skin's looking good and your tummy's not feeling compressed because you're in leggings.
1: And we've all taken those pictures where we're like, I don't really like my skin in that picture because you want it to glow. You want it to be clear. And since we can't control all the other drama around the holidays, like we talked about earlier, the one thing you can control is how you feel in your skin. And that's Apostrophe's goal. They want to help you to feel confident in your own skin.
0: Because like it or not, It's yours for the rest of your life, so you might as well take
1: care of it. Whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scars, Apostrophe will help you reach your skin goals.
0: Why is Apostrophe coming after everything I experience? If you are listening to this ad for the first time ever and you don't know what Apostrophe is, It is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team and you get a customized treatment for your unique skin.
1: And because it's through a dermatology team, you're gonna get access to oral and topical medications that are prescribed for you by your dermatology team. So all you do is you're gonna go online You're going to do an online consultation about what your skin's like, your medical history, what your skin goals are. Take a couple little selfies. They don't have to be great. You literally just got to take them so they can see your skin. And a board certified dermatologist is going to create your initial customized plan.
0: And like we've talked about a lot on here, Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all types of acne. Acne treatments, bread and butter for apostrophe. So it can be anything from hormonal acne
1: to facial acne, even back and the butt, all the acne's. But it can be other skincare goals too, like rosacea, anti-aging, moisturizing, all the different kinds. So for an amazing deal, you're gonna go to apostrophe.com slash creep and use our promo code creep to get your first visit for five dollars. That's a savings of $15.
0: And this code is only for y'all. So remember, go to apostrophe.com slash creep. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E
1: dot com slash creep. When you go there, apostrophe.com slash creep, you're going to click get started, then use our promo code creep at sign up, and you'll get your first visit for only $5. $5. Okay, so my story was a recommendation in the Creepinati Facebook group, which is for people on Patreon only, by Paula M. I feel like Paula's giving you another recommendation that was really bad. The case
0: was bad. Great recommendation, because I had never heard of it.
1: Well, sit back, because
0: deja vu. Oh, Lord. Paula, you're a cold-hearted snake. Oh, my God. I get it. Okay. Abdul. Mmm. Man, that video was so fucking sexy. I remember being like, oh, God.
1: Okay, so this is the story of Colleen Slimmer. When you're looking at this story, there's not a ton on Colleen, which pisses me off because she's the victim. Like, spoiler alert, she's the victim. But there's a ton out there about the person who did this to her. Yeah.
0: I feel like it's because people want to know why or how they could be the monster who does this. And then I think they're scared to say, oh, Colleen was just an average girl. There's no reason this should have happened. Yeah. Because then it's scarier because you can't say oh, well, she did this and I didn't do, I don't do that. Or she goes there and I don't go there. Right. You're like, oh no, she's just like me. And that could be me. And I feel like that's why people don't do it. But also I'm like, that's why you need to do it. You need to provide all the information so people can be more diligent and just have that in the back of their mind somewhere.
1: Well, for this story, we're going to travel back to January of 1995. And we're going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. Colleen was attending Job Corps at, like the University of Tennessee, basically. Yeah, some stuff that made it sound like it was like a like a satellite campus, but it was in Knoxville. So I'm not really sure exactly. But Job Corps was this federal program to help like at-risk youth, that kind of thing, to learn job skills to learn a trade if they maybe had dropped out of high school or had been getting in trouble or whatever, or just were from a lower socioeconomic background. You know, they could do like learn to be a nursing assistant, learn like they had culinary arts. They had all these different like trades to teach you to help you get a job.
0: That's really cool because I was picturing her being a college student and it just being like a job fair, which would also be nice. (laughs) but I was like, oh, okay, and then, no, completely not that, like, way better.
1: I feel like the students that get to this job court all have a story, but we don't know Colleen's. And people came from all over. Like, this wasn't like they all grew up or all were from Knoxville. Like, they weren't. Colleen was from Florida. And she was in Job Corps, enrolled in their computer training. Now, Colleen had only been there about three months when she was starting to have trouble with this other girl that attended the Job Corps. And her name was Krista Pike. So, Krista had a really hard life, especially at the beginning. Now, her mom was... A terrible mom she even says that later like I was a terrible mom so Krista went and lived with her grandmother who I've seen different accounts like most stuff is like her grandmother was great but then some stuff said that her grandmother was kind of abusive and that she was sexually assaulted basically her whole life so some of that's just not very clear but either way she grew up living with her grandmother until she was 12 and her grandmother passed away oh gosh so because of that, she was forced to go back and live with her mother. Krista had a lot of problems because she had such a bad temper. She was later diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and I believe bipolar. So she had a lot of issues in relationships with people. She was very aggressive. Just, she just had a lot of problems like some run-ins with the law, that kind of thing. And that's what all led her to the Job Corps. So while Krista was at the job court, she had a boyfriend named Tadaril Ship. Tadaril was a self proclaimed Satanist. And Krista was all about that because it was something, well, I think because it was something different and it was against the mainstream and it made her look like a badass, you know? Like Krista called herself Lil Devil.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's worse than my Freaky Deaky Donna.
1: It actually is. <laughs> So in the Job court, they lived in dorms there because obviously, like, they were all from these different places. Yeah. So they lived in, the, in dorms. At Tadaryl's dorm, he had this shrine to Satan. Apparently, Daryl and Krista would have this, like, wild sex at this shrine to the devil. And, like, all the neighbors were like, knock it off. You know, like, it was yeah. like a thing. And Krista was in love with Tadaryl. But she got it in her head that Colleen was trying to get with to Daryl. And she was not having it. Krista hated Colleen. And from what all of Colleen's friends say, they're like, no, she didn't like to Daryl. Like that she didn't like him. Who knows whether she did, whether she didn't. Krista thought she did. Not to Daryl, Satan. Okay. It created a lot of problems. Like, Colleen's mom said that Colleen would call home and say, like, Mom, I want to come home. Like, this girl is mean. Like, I'm scared of her. Like, I want to come home. And her mom was like, you signed a contract. Like, you have to stay. And I do want to say that there is a website called Unquestionably Criminal that I got a lot of stuff from. And then there was an episode of Deadly Women that had this on and that show Women on Death Row. So they had a lot of beef with each other. And the day before Colleen's murder, Krista tells one of her friends basically she was having a bad day. She was angry that day and she wanted to kill somebody. Oh my gosh. And of course, you know, all these people don't really know each other. Yeah. So they don't I feel like they don't know whether or do they take her seriously. But also, like, if they are afraid of her, too, they're not going to report the things that she's saying. Right. But Krista was very vocal about how much she hated Colleen, then started being more vocal about her desire to kill her.
0: Wow. Okay, if they're literally saying that more than once,
1: they're serious. And some things talked about that Tadara was kind of a part of things, too, because with him and Krista, they needed someone to sacrifice as part of their Satan worship. And, of course, Krista was like, "Um, I know the perfect person, Colleen. Yeah. On January 12th of 1995, so Krista tells Colleen, look, let's make up. Let's be friends. I've got some pot. Why don't you come with us? We're gonna walk down to this like abandoned, like a movie store or wherever. We're gonna smoke this pot and we'll <laughs> smoke just... this pot. <laughs> Even I'm like, okay. One of the YouTubes I watched said the devil's lettuce, and it <laughs> made me giggle because they were doing it because they were done what you with. So Colleen buys it, yeah, and she goes. What's sad is like us looking
0: from the outside. You're like, yeah, we know where this is gonna go. Like either not that they kill her, but that they just beat her up. Yeah, you know what I mean, or something. But when you're in that and someone's made your life a living hell, you want them to say, let's squash it.
1: And when you're 17 and 18 years old, you really do. Yes. And so it's like,
0: I don't want to say, fuck you when they're extended an olive branch. So you kind of go along with it. Like you're hoping for the best. Especially when
1: you're afraid of that person.
0: Also, I just love when people say, and by love, I mean hate. When people say, oh they are satanist and they needed an, a human sacrifice i might be wrong but one of like the pillars of satanism is do anything that brings you joy but you can't kill anyone like, you can't, like... Harm somebody harm else. Harm someone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that that's, like, a true Satanist. These are people... Because... Yes. Just because, like, that's the ultimate... Like, like that's the religion doesn't mean that there's not people who...
0: Yeah, it's like... Are, like,
1: the fringe of it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. Who take that religion and make it into the... Gimmicky thing that it is. Yes. yes. And how Lori Vallow and Chad Vallow... I mean, hello. They were on... They took their religion mormonism put zombies in there and kill people right
1: so like i said on january 12th krista colleen to daryl and a girl by the name of shadala peterson all sign out and leave the grounds of the job corps they start walking to again like what was supposed to be like a movie store or something of the sort so that they could smoke their pot but what ends up happening is instead they take colleen to a very remote area Now, a lot of things have said, too, it's the University of Tennessee Agricultural Campus. Mm. But I'm like, is that in Knoxville, too? Like, I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, when they get to this more secluded spot is when Krista starts to flip the script. And she goes back to her old ways and she starts blaming Colleen and accusing Colleen of having feelings for Tadaryl and making moves on Tadaryl and all the things.
0: And let me guess, Tadaryl isn't saying shit.
1: No. And Colleen is like, I don't. I didn't do anything. Like, he's yours. I don't want him. Like, this is not true. So then they make Colleen take off her bra and shirt. Oh, no. And from there, let me just tell y'all that this gets pretty fucking gruesome. So if you need to skip forward, skip forward. Krista pulls out a box cutter. And she starts to cut and stab Colleen over and over and over again. Oh my God, with a box cutter. Colleen is doing her best to fight and run away, but essentially it's three against one. Yeah. Now, Shadala was mostly just the lookout. Like, she didn't really do anything from what I understand. She's complicit
0: in murder.
1: No, no, no. I Yes, yes. But, like, I don't think she was, like, holding her down or anything like that. Which is worse, honestly. Like,
0: you're just going to... Stand there? Be indifferent in this whole situation? No, I don't like that.
1: So Krista is, like I said, cutting Colleen over and over again. So Colleen is begging for her life. You know she is. She's doing all the negotiations. She even offers to walk back to Florida. Like, don't even go back to campus. I will walk back to Florida. Not tell anybody. Be out of your lives. Just please let me go. And all Krista says is, shut up. I don't want to hear you talking to me. You know it's harder to hurt somebody when they're talking to you. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me make it easy for you. Fuck you, dude. Colleen was a fucking fighter. And they would get her down on the ground and be cutting her. And then she would try to get up and run away. And at one point when she got up and was trying to run away, they grabbed her. They cut her like hair, like her ponytail or whatever, out of her head and shoved it in her mouth. <gasps> no. Krista cut her throat two times. What? And Colleen was still alive. Oh, God. Gasping for air, tried to get up to run away again. Wow. With her throat cut two times. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, she had tenacity. This is terrible, but Krista was like, she won't die. Like, yeah. As Colleen tried to run away one last time, Krista grabbed some asphalt that was nearby, like a pile of it, and started bashing Colleen's head in with it. Fuck. And allegedly she said that she wanted to like beat her head until her brains were coming out. Oh gosh. And as terrible as it is, she succeeded. And Colleen finally succumbed to her wounds after 45 minutes. Oh my god, pure torture. Literally pure hell. Now, what Krista did next was disgusting. She took a piece of... Colleen's skull and she kept it. Ooh. Uh. One thing I did hear said that because in her and to Daryl's beliefs with the Satanism, that like if the body isn't intact, the soul like can't rest. And so it was like a <gasps> ultimate like fuck you for yes. it. Yes. But I only heard, saw that in like one spot. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Then to Daryl with the box cutter drew a pentagram on Colleen's chest. I think, actually, I'm sorry, he did that while she was still alive. Oh. After Colleen was murdered, the three of them went to a gas station, washed up, and on their way back to their dorms, they dumped Colleen's ID and the murder weapons in some trash cans. Now, when they got back to their dorms, Krista is literally dancing around her dorm room in glee, so joyful of what she had just done. Fuck her, dude. Oh, she then brags to the roommate friend that she had told that she just wanted to kill somebody. Yes. About the part of her skull that she had kept. No. And then the next morning at breakfast, she like made jokes about Colleen's still with us for breakfast and like patted her pocket. Oh my gosh. So the next morning, super early on January 13th of 1995, Colleen's body is found And at first they thought it was an animal. Like, she was so badly beaten. They thought she was an animal. And the closer they got, they realized, oh, my God, this is a body. Yeah. This is a human body. So while the police are trying to figure out who she even is, because they don't know, because she has no ID, and she's so badly beaten, while all this is happening, a girl that goes to the job corps that hears Krista bragging about this calls her mom. And is like, this girl's saying all this. She's got this skull. So, that girl's mother called the police. Also, while that's going on, though, Krista and a few girls from the Job Corps go on a walk out by where the body is where the police are, like, doing off the crime scene and, like, you wow. know, checking off the crime scene. And they go and they're like, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Like, Talk to the investigators and like you, she's happy at the crime scene. Yeah, she's a fucking psychopath, legitimately. So, within 36 hours of Colleen's murder, they had found her body and arrested all three of them. Good because you're telling everyone, keep her fucking mouth shut. Yes, well, as soon as they arrested them, Chris has started confessing, but also they had blood on their shoes, the literal piece of her skull yeah. in Krista's pocket. There was plenty of physical evidence to tie them to the murders. And then they all four signed out at the same time to leave the campus and all three of them came back together. Like, yeah. there was a lot of evidence.
0: I feel like with her behavior, if they had not been caught, she would have become a serial killer. A lot of
1: things said that. I really anybody do. that crossed her, anybody that did something that she didn't like, she would have killed them.
0: Especially if she killed someone when she was so young And no one
1: did anything. Right. She would have felt invincible. Yeah. So after police arrest them, Krista starts talking. And she gives like a, I can't remember if it was like 40 minute and 70 page or something like this huge long confession about everything. Oh my gosh. And so they took her to the crime scene and she was like, yep, that's where we put her ID. That's where we killed her. That's where we, you know, dropped the murder weapons. Like she told them everything. She later says that she did that because she thought that if they pinned everything on her to Daryl and Shadala wouldn't get anything. But Krista didn't take a plea deal. It went to trial. And one thing that was essentially like the smoking gun for her was that the medical examiner put all of the skull fragments back together of Colleen's head. And the piece that she had like fit in it perfectly like a puzzle piece. Wow! So it was like, no, this is actually Colleen's skull. Yeah. And then, of course, the jury got to hear her confession. It only took a couple of hours for the jury to find her guilty. And Krista gets sentenced to death for the murder and conspiracy to commit murder for Colleen. Now, there's a video of this. When Krista gets sentenced to death, she is sobbing. You truly, for a moment feel sorry for her. As soon as they, like, start cuffing her and the judge is like, take her away. Like, you're going to be sentenced blah, 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 blah. She's, like, begging, like, can I please just hug my mom? Can I please just hug my mom? And, like, for a moment, you feel sorry for her because she is, like, bawling her eyes out, right? Uh Uh-huh. But then you don't because you remember what she did? Yeah. But also, within a day of getting that death sentence and, you know, you having that moment because you're a human, a moment of feeling sorry for her. She writes a letter to to Daryl. Now, of course, it gets intercepted because she can't write him. Mm -hmm. And this is an excerpt from it. Can
0: we just go back to where she wants to hug her mom? No, bitch, because you know who can't hug her mom? Colleen. Exactly. Exactly.
1: But she writes this. Please write me. I miss you so much. You see what I get for trying to be nice to that hoe? I went ahead and bashed her brains out so she'd die quickly instead of letting her bleed to death and suffer more. And they fucking fry me? Ain't that some shit. Please write me and tell me what you're feeling. Also, tell your lawyer if he wants me to testify for you. I will. Love you for the rest of my life, little devil.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Like, what a piece of shit. All of that. Like, she's so good at... This is why I think that she truly is a, a sociopath because she doesn't have these emotions, but she's really good at pretending like she does. Yeah. Daryl goes to trial, but he gets sentenced to life in prison because he was only 17 at the time of the murder, whereas Krista was 18. Mm. Krista ended up being like the only woman on death row, um, and for a little while, like the youngest person, but she was the only woman on death row in Tennessee. Wow. But that's not where the story ends. Oh, gosh. Wait. You're going to ask about the girl? Yeah. Okay. Shadala ended up getting a suspended sentence with, like, six years probation because she turned state's witness and Mm -hmm. and testified against them and she didn't actually well she did because she was there but she didn't physically do anything to colleen she was just the lookout yeah which again she participated and Mm -hmm. she didn't report anything and all the things but that's what she got yeah so while krista was in prison she had a lot going on so she had all these appeals because she's on death row right yeah well at one point she says I don't want to do any more appeals. I I just want to be sentenced to death. I think she had like one appeal left and she was like, I want to waive this appeal. Please just give me my death day. Like, let's get this thing over with. And they spent months being like, we know you don't want this. Like, blah, 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 blah. Her attorneys were like, don't do this. Try to talk her out of it. But eventually, a judge was like, okay, here's your date. Yeah, And same theatrics when she left the courtroom. She was like, thank you. Thank you. Mommy, it's okay. Thank you. Like, the same theatrics. Literally three weeks later, she changed her mind. Of course.
0: This is why they
1: were saying, don't do this, because you're going to do what they know you're going to do. Well, and, you know, no matter what you feel about the death penalty, I just, don't give them what they want. She wants that because she's fucking miserable in jail Uh or in prison. Like, she wants that because she even says, like, this is fucking hard. Like, okay.
0: Yeah. You killed
1: someone. yeah, And, like, on that Women on Death Row show, of course, they interview her. And she's like... I'm in my cell 23 of 24 hours a day, and then when I go outside, it's like they take me from what do they call it her cell, I can't remember what she calls it, to a dog kennel. Like I'm in a dog kennel, and I'm like, you fucking brutally murdered someone. Yes
0: sorry. I mean, you kept part of her skull and was excited about that. Yes, you we. For her to say, Colleen's still
1: here with us at breakfast or whatever she said, you're fucking heartless. Oh, she is beyond. Okay, so there's more. So she's back and forth with the appeals, whether she wants to die, she doesn't, blah, 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 blah. Well, then she gets a guard that basically kind of falls in love with her. And a guy that had been writing her that fell in love with her. Oh, to Daryl's out of the picture? Yeah, because they can't write anymore. He's in yeah. prison too. So they concocted an escape plan. Oh my gosh. One thing was like, but we're not going to tell you what it is. They're not telling anybody what their plan was because it was with a guard. Yeah. But then another thing was like, we we're pretty sure it was to like bribe other guards. But then, this one detective who actually worked the case that, like, was interviewed on all the things. Like, every show that was, she had her story on it, he was interviewed. Yeah, And on one of them, he was like, yeah, the guard already had, like, made it a replica key, basically, to the death row.
0: Wow. So, like,
1: he, like, he was, like, making keys and stuff, you know, to get her out. Everything was quickly intercepted, and it failed. It seems like where she's in prison, she's not... Like, you know how death row is usually its own thing? Like, death row, she would be completely by herself. Like, because yeah. she's the only woman. So, what it seems like is they basically have her in some solitary confinement. I mean, the 23 out of 24 hours a day kind of gives you that. But, like, it looked like she was in, like, a cell block with other people doing that. Where they could, like, lift tray holes and talk and stuff. <laughs> Instead of shut your pie hole, they lift their tray holes.
0: <laughs> Is that what Kobe says to you? <laughs> yeah.
1: So she made some friends with some other murderers on her row. But there was this one girl that she had problems with. Imagine that. And her name was Patricia Jones. Allegedly, Patricia Jones would, like, call her fried chicken because she's supposed to get the electric chair. Uh, I was like, what? When I saw that on that death row women on death row. I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, the electric chair. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. But it took me way too long. But allegedly she didn't get along with Patricia. Patricia didn't get along with one of Krista's other friends. One day this fire had broken out at the prison and those three women basically were put out in the yard together. Krista took that opportunity to attack Patricia. She almost killed her because she was choking her. Guards came just in time. Like, Patricia was passed out from the choking. They came just in time. At first, it was like she was saying, oh, I didn't mean to, kind of self-defense type stuff. But then they had a recorded phone call between Krista and her mom. And she goes into detail with her mom. And she talks about, like, watching Patricia's eyeballs bulge out. And she talks about, basically, like, she says, if I'd have had 30 more seconds, we'd have a chalk outline out there. Fuck.
0: Also, do they not have cameras out there? I feel like they would have cameras out there.
1: Oh, I'm sure they do. But she's going to lie and say whatever she wants. Like, it's, yeah. you know, they, I mean, she was going to get in trouble for this. It wasn't like she was going to be like, oh, it's self-defense. And, oh, okay. Like, they're going to investigate. And, yeah. You know, because this happened in 2001. Yeah. So, for that attempted murder, Krista got another 25 years added to her sentence. So, where we stand now is that Krista is still on death row and, and Colleen's mom is pushing hard for her to get a date of execution because Colleen's mom says that Colleen cannot rest at peace until Krista is executed because they are keeping that piece of skull evidence until she dies.
0: Oh my God. Because
1: if this is any type of appeal, anything like that, they need to retest the evidence. Colleen is cremated, and her mom's not doing anything with her ashes until she's whole again. Oh, that and so, breaks my heart. I know. And so, her mom's like, can you please let my daughter rest in peace? Like, she's been through enough. Can you please just let my daughter rest in peace? Like, set a date. Set a fucking date. Let me have her whole body back. Which I understand why yeah. they're not doing it. Because if they need to retest or whatever for an appeal, they need it. But also, like, that's so not fair To Colleen's mother. Right. And that's where we stand now. In like 2020 and 2021 is when Colleen's mom really started pushing for them to set a date for Krista's execution. Gosh. Yeah, Paula did it again. Well, before we talk more about Paula's recommendation and your story, we gotta talk about Care Of. Y'all know we love Care Of, and y'all have heard us talk about it before. But if you haven't,
0: Care Of is a subscription service that ships high quality personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your frickin' door every month. You only have to open it and then pick up your package. Or you
1: might want to scoot it with your foot if you're feeling that lazy. I might have done it. I was gonna say, that sounds like personal experience. (laughs) And we have so much to do with the holidays approaching. The days get shorter, calendars are filling up, your to-do list is getting longer and longer. Check something off that list, and that's trying to figure out what the heck you need as far as vitamins and supplements because who the hell knows
0: Well, you know what? Care of knows. And they're trying to make sure you're still taking care of you with that whole other conglomerate that Carrie just spoke about.
1: So like Donna said, it's subscription-based. So you're going to go onto their website. You're going to take a little quiz. And that quiz is going to ask you about your lifestyle, your goals. And it's going to make personalized recommendations so that you can take the guesswork out of what supplements are best for you. No more standing there at that aisle looking at all those letters going, do I need B, D, easy I don't
0: know right that is very overwhelming and if you're stressed out and you're not taking care of yourself you're not in the headspace to have to stand there and try to whittle down the supplements that you need let the professionals help you also care recently launched their gut must line and that's all products aimed at managing bloating gas, indigestion, and weight. Gut health is foundational to your overall health and influences areas like sleep, weight, immunity, and mood. And again, how Carrie said, the holidays are here. We all know we're going to be eating a volume of food and
1: probably not the right food. Um, are you talking about the 17 pounds of Halloween candy I just ate? Don't come at me.
0: I was really thinking about dressing for me because I could eat 17 pounds of cornbread dressing.
1: So all you have to do is go to takecareof.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. When you go to the website, you got to do the online quiz so that it knows what to give you.
0: Again, that is takecareof.com and you're going to enter CREEP50 for 50% off. 50%, 50%, half the price. We love that.
1: And even better, you don't have to go to the store. It's delivered right to your house. So take care of, that's T A K E C A R E O F dot com, and enter promo code CREEP50. C R E E P50.
0: Okay, back to your story
1: that has my blood boiling. I just think of poor Colleen. Like, she survived for so long. She kept trying to get up, run away, negotiate her way out of it. Like, she was doing everything you can think of to try to get out of this situation. Yeah. And it wasn't working. Krista was bound and determined that Colleen had to die.
0: Yeah, Oh my gosh. And again, she had three people to her one person. So it's not like she could easily get away. You know what I mean? Like, you have three people coming after you. Because even though that girl who stood on the sidelines, if Colleen was running, you better believe Krista would have been like, get your ass and you find her or I'm going to kill you
1: too. Exactly. So it's just so hard. And even the the people at school. I mean, if she... Really, I mean, which she did, but if they really believe that she killed Colleen like they're gonna go tell somebody they're just as scared of her too because you know that she has created this persona the whole time she's been there yeah because they've been trying to get her off of death row with like oh she had such a horrible childhood and all the things and her mom testified to be like I was a terrible mother and please don't give her the death penalty or let's get this commuted down to life in prison you know yada yada yada." and Krista does make a good point if she was just a few months younger I mean she would Have gotten life in prison just like to Daryl, but she wasn't. You're not, and you Mm -hmm. did this. You had to face the consequences. Yep. I'm not saying that she should be on death row, but that's the sentence you were given. That's the state you chose to murder someone in. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. And you're not going to make me feel sorry for you by being like oh I'm by myself in a cell and now when she goes out in the yard she's like handcuffed and all that well maybe don't try to fucking kill someone when you're out there these are all consequences for your actions like when are you gonna learn that right she has already
0: tried to escape once a terrible job at it because she thank god though yeah but like okay so years from now she's gonna try the same thing and if she gets out she's gonna be out for blood
1: Well, like you said, though, if she got away with that, like, she would kill again. And I was thinking, well, she'll know the whole story because she does. Like, you were saying how she's, like, a budding serial killer. And one of the psychologists that evaluated her said that. Well,
0: just, like, her asserting herself back into the investigation Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, going down there to be like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Any suspects? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, girl. It takes a certain killer, like, type of killer to do that. Yep. And I feel like she was not crying. If she was legit crying, it wasn't, oh, I will never be able to see my mom again or whatever like that.
1: No, it was because she thought she was invincible. Uh huh. And she wasn't. And she didn't even like her mom. Like, you know what I mean? I know. Well, and again, though, she just knows what to say. It- it's all an act, you know? Mm-hmm. Because even when she was doing the interview for the. Women um, on death row or whatever. She would say things like, "I deserve to be here. Like I know what I did was wrong." And then on this other YouTube channel that I watch a lot for my stories, it's called That Chapter. It's good. Like he did a good job of like her saying that, and then her like contradicting herself like later about, "I should be out. I shouldn't." You know. Yeah. She just says what she thinks she needs to say. At those times to make herself look better or to get what she wants. Mm -hmm. Colleen's mom made a good point about like she would struggle in general population and she would do all this. But the way she was saying it was like she wanted her there in general so that she would struggle. If she doesn't get commuted to a life sentence, she would never be there. So I don't know. But I wonder if they did commute it to a life sentence if Colleen's mom would get that piece back.
0: I feel like, yes, that would be like, oh, well, we can't
1: let you bury your child until... Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, But it's a cremation. Like, there's no going back. Yeah. You know?
0: But even then, like, no one... Who's going to keep a kid? But there's no...
1: Earn, well, and there's no appeals after that, I guess. Yeah. Like, if she's exhausted all... You
0: know? Yeah. That's what I mean. There, there's no way they could make someone do that if they commuted it to a life sentence.
1: Maybe. I, I don't know. So, I think she would get it back. That's what I want in this case, is I want her mom to get some fucking peace. Yes. Had. that was just so brutal. It was, it was so brutal. When I heard, like, how long it lasted. Yeah. And, I mean, basically, uh, one thing I was reading, it said it was, like, an innumerable amount of, like, cuts and stuff. Yeah. But one thing I saw said 300. The fact that the medical examiner said all of her wounds, every single one of them, like, the pentagram, the slashes. One thing said that she had a pentagram on her forehead, too. Ugh. Literally, every cut on her was red to show that she was alive for every single one of them oh fuck because it was the blow to the head that killed her
0: yeah wow
1: as we say every episode let us know what y'all think on both stories we love to hear y'all's opinions and if it's a good opinion you know write a review with it otherwise don't forget to like subscribe and well again review and remember (laughs) creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared